Sinai says, don't approach, don't come near, you're dirty, you're filthy, you are cursed. But Calvary in Jerusalem says, whosoever will may come. So it's a beautiful allegory. Welcome back to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast where we're changing society by cherishing scripture. I'm Zach. I'm here today with Dr. Rayleigh, Nathan, Jeremy, and once again, guesting with us today is Brother Troy Calvert. How are y'all doing? Doing fantastic. Thank you. Awesome. We've had fun so far. Uh, We're going to get back into Galatians 4. Uh, We've had so much meat, I guess you could say, to talk about that we haven't even really covered the actual scripture portion of it. Uh, But before we get to it, Jeremy said that we were going to ask questions. I didn't get to get to my question in the last episode, so I'm going to start the episode by asking you this, Brother Troy, and then, Pastor, you could read after. My question is, would you as a preacher make a title, Throw Out the Hag? Come on, man. <laughs> just asking, asking for a friend. Yeah. I'm pleading for a friend. On that one. <laughs> asking for a friend. I'm just like, glad I got the tip from Nathan to start off. Otherwise, I wouldn't know where he's coming from. <laughs> so, the thing about the way, this, that's is, all, this is about Hagar. That's all on the church website if you guys want to see that. Yeah, it's yeah. on the church website. It's on the church website. Go back into the archives. They're really, really old. Which, if anybody loves some good sermons, seriously, check out the church website. We did go good. through the whole book of Galatians, every single verse. Yep. Wow. In in the church. Yes, we did. That's excellent. So we're back in 21, 421. Tell me ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by, was by promise, which things are an allegory. For these things are two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar or Hagar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which it now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. That's about half of the portion here, but I think that's a digestible bite for Mm. us to look at. And there's still some things here we have not touched on, some things we haven't covered. Uh, I'll just um, start us out here by just pointing out that the biography of of Sarah and Hagar are what are being discussed here. And of course, uh, that story needs to be told, especially if you're a newcomer to the faith. You may not be aware of what happened there when Moses and, and uh, or excuse me, Moses and Sarah, when Abraham and Sarah uh, had been given these promises by God, that promise, uh, I preached a sermon years ago called uh, Abraham's Promise and Sarah's Tent. And the reason I preached that is because Abraham, on a couple of occasions, tried to pawn her off because she was barren. And he tried to, um, I don't know what you would call it there, find someone else that would be the fulfillment of that promise. He was intending, I assume, to uh, find a fertile wife. And so Sarah was um, sort of cast off, and she felt that way. She felt um, inadequate. She felt, um, uh, for the most part, uh, obsolete, if you want to use that term. And um, she made the suggestion that Abraham go in romantically with his handmaid, Hagar, and bear 
the promised son. And I'm doing air quotes here because we all know the end of the story. That was a disaster. Mm, right. And so he did go uh, with uh, go into Hagar. And when uh, Ishmael was conceived, he was the firstborn son. Uh, however, he was not the son of promise, which mm-hmm. follows the the clear teachings of Scripture. God always focuses on the second birth, not on the first birth. You got uh, Esau born first, but God chose Jacob the second birth. You have uh, Ishmael born first, but God chose Jacob the second birth. You have Cain born first, but God chose Abel the second birth. So on and on and on the story goes about the second birth, and then that carries over in the New Testament. So that's the story that exists here. Ultimately, what happened was uh, the illustration blossoms really when you understand that as um, as Hagar delivered Ishmael, later Sarah delivers Isaac, and Isaac is the promised son, and Ishmael becomes a persecutor of Isaac. Ishmael, there's a conflict that begins quite early there in their boyhood. And Ishmael and Isaac sort of become uh, maybe juvenile enemies of some, of some sort. And uh, and that, by the way, that um, animosity still exists today between mm-hmm. Isaac and Ishmael. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things here that we haven't um, we haven't been able to touch on. And uh, quite a bit of it, hopefully, we'll be able to get to today. The reason why, verse 23, the bondwoman was born after the flesh. The reason that comment is made in this verse is because it was a fleshly motivation and a fleshly operation that produced Ishmael. And so he is illustrating here, that's the works of the flesh. When the flesh gets involved, when something that is promised in the Spirit and people assume that, that that can be worked out in the flesh. When the flesh gets involved, this is the kind of mess you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. That's not a technical way to look at it, but they got themselves in a mess by allowing the flesh to take over the situation. Mm. So God said, no, Abraham, it's not Ishmael. It's not Hagar. It will be Sarah. She will be the vessel. That's the title of the sermon, Abraham's blessing or Abraham's promise has to be lived out in Sarah's tent. So Abraham finally has to realize Sarah is the one. God blesses her. She's fertile. She finally bears a child. And then those child, those two children become enemies. So that's, in a, in a short version, the allegory that the Apostle Paul is referring to here. And then he goes from the allegory of two women, Sarah and Hagar, allegory of two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, or Ishmael and Isaac. And then he mentions mountains. He mentions Sinai in Arabia, which is the place where the law was given, and is the Ish, that would be the Ishmael Hagar illustration. Then he mentions Jerusalem, which we would call Mount Zion, and that would be the Sarah Isaac side of the story. Right. One is cursed, one is blessed. One Sinai says, don't approach. Don't come near. You're dirty. You're filthy. You are cursed. But Calvary in Jerusalem says, whosoever will may come. Amen. So it's a beautiful allegory. Amazing. I mean, there's just so much here. I'm glad we didn't skip over this. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful allegory there. So um, you guys jump in whenever you're ready here and share whatever. Yeah. I. That's the story. That's the, the basics of the story. Yeah, I find it 
I mean, it's... I don't know. Like you said, there is a lot in this, just in general, to digest about this um, Hagar and uh, Sarah. And I think that a lot of times we even struggle with the same thing. Uh, When we decide that we want to try to do the sanctification process and not allow God to do it, uh, which is that Hagar, when Mm -hmm. we try to sit here and sanctify ourselves, which... It's funny because I remember you were one of the first ones that taught. It may have been in a college class or it may have been in a sermon. I can't remember. But you taught about that. You said, why would God save you? And it says God's later going to glorify you, the glorification. But why would he let you in the flesh handle the sanctification? Which is potentially one of the most important parts. Uh, And and I think that that is what this is referring to is yeah. that sanctification process isn't done in bondage it's that you're a free woman right as the bible says here yeah i agree well and the, god doesn't need us to help him i mean he, he wants to use us to accomplish his will but he doesn't need us to fix things that aren't going according to our time schedule because they're right. always going according to his time schedule right. if we let god be god yeah I agree. And the sanctification thing, you know, that you're referring to uh, and and what you're talking about also, Brother Calvert, the sanctification thing, you know, salvation is instantaneous. And as I understand it from Scripture, glorification will also be instantaneous. So the only marathon here is the sanctification part. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to take patience. It takes, um, uh, you know, my shortest definition of sanctification is day by day, walking with the Spirit in the Word, and the spirit of you know persuading us of the need of sanctification and conforming us more and more to the image of Christ, our behavior, our th- our thought processes, our our um, our what we initiate and what we respond to, and all those different ways, uh, it all has sanctification issues that factor into it, mm. and you have to have a patient outlook on that. Uh, I think one of my errors in early ministry was I wasn't patient enough. You know, I had ideas of what I thought people, sanctified people looked like, mm-hmm. and I required that of them sometimes too abruptly. And uh, I'm disappointed that, that I did some of those things that I did, but uh, I think my motive was right. My just, my operation was all messed mm-hmm. up, all wrong. It's the matter of being conformed to his image, and that's a lifelong process. Absolutely. And yeah. I think, exactly. I think of what you said, Pastor, is just something that, people do need to realize that it's not that their motivation's wrong. Some of these preachers that get up and preach on the things, we're not saying they're evil people, but their method is wrong. They're trying to handle it themselves rather than letting the Holy Spirit control the situation. Which is what Abraham and Sarah did with... with, Right, uh, exactly. Hagar. And you've mentioned this before. I know you've mentioned it on the podcast. You could choose to change somebody. Um, like you said with that lady with the piercing, um, you could choose to have changed that and co- made an issue out of it, but rather you let the Holy Spirit work, and when the Holy Spirit works, it's permanent. Yeah. Yeah. And earlier in uh, chapter 4, Paul said, verse 19, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. And he spoke of, a, of an agony, you know, a patient agony, that he was going to experience until the final picture was complete, until Christ was was formed in them. 
But he, in chapter four, verses twenty-one and following, is when he says, "If you if you hasten this, if you if you um, uh, we would say jump the gun mm-hmm. back. Maybe that's a track term. You know, when somebody started to." Uh, started too early and they got disqualified if you try to if you try to overcorrect or act abruptly uh, which is what Abraham and Sarah did in the episode with Hagar that's going to have lasting consequences mm. and that's where I fear that uh, many people have fallen into the uh, the fleshly completion of a spiritual initiation in their life so you were mentioning brother Calvert uh, about the uh, the extended version of this you know Ab- Abraham and Sarah we have that episode in the Old Testament Isaac and Ishmael so even today, we still have conflicts that exist because of this fleshly arrangement that started back then. And you and I were talking at lunch today. We both visited the Middle East, and, and we've been in Palestinian regions, and we've been in Israeli regions. And, and uh, we were even talking about going from, I mean, literally, you got Jerusalem here, then you have Bethlehem, just, what, less than five miles. Mm-hmm. And there is uh, there's guards and gates, and because Bethlehem is Palestinian and Jerusalem is Israeli for the most part, you know the uh, the the metropolis of mm-hmm. Jerusalem is. But there's still a conflict that exists there. You know, you were talking about that, and I've seen that in Scripture too. What, what's your thoughts on the ongoing problems? Yeah, well, I mean, I think again, the big picture here that we can't overlook is the consequences of not doing things God's way. And, and wow. I think, you know, Abraham and Sarah, to an extent, thought, hey, you know, God needs a little bit of help here. And so we're going to kind of just take matters into our own hand and we're exactly. going to make this work as opposed to letting God do things according to God's plan. And, you know, you think of, of the process of birth, which is the whole picture that's here, you know, from 19 and then following. It's a process. I mean, a child is not conceived one day and, and born the next. No, it's it's a nine months. It's, it's this, it takes time. But yet we... We are so geared towards instant gratification that, you know, I want this to happen now. I, I want this problem to be to be resolved this minute. And sometimes, too, we also think, well, you know, the, the end justifies the means. So it's it's going to be OK if I, you know, I skirt around this issue here because look at my motive. My motive is to do what's right. But if I'm deliberately going against something that God has spoken about in his word, getting back what you back to what you were saying earlier, Zach, that I am always going to deal with long term consequences. Um, I'm not going to be able to ignore that. Uh, it's not going to be something that there's no repercussions. And that's what the Bible tells us, I mean, repeatedly in the Old Testament about coming down to the next generation and the next generation. And that's what we see with the whole Arab-Israeli conflict today, literally going all the way back to the times of Isaac and Ishmael. And, you know, we may say, well, come on, you don't really believe that. I absolutely believe that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what the scriptures say. Um, so, so you're of the belief, as I am, that the, that the children of Ishmael are the Arabs, Palestinians yes. and the Arabs, and the children of Isaac are the promised seed of Abraham are the, the Jews, the, the Semitic people. Yes, most yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I am. And, 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 and excuse me, but it, it's interesting too, because I I can remember people that I've met and the even meeting some Palestinians and the extreme when they become a believer, for them to get over this, almost this hatred that's inbred in them from the time they're a child. But now, wait a minute, I'm in Christ, and so this guy's no longer my enemy. He's now my brother. It's a whole mind shift uh, that they have to go through, and the Holy wow. Spirit will guide them through it. But it is, it truly is a 180 that has to occur when they realize now I'm in Christ, and it's not a matter of simply looking at the way I was reared when they're from that region of the world 
world and and realizing, okay, God has allowed this, but I mean, it's it's that inbred in them, the animosity one towards the other, and it goes both ways. And, and that's the thing I think. Of course, we see everything through the eyes, through the lens of, a, of American news media, but yeah. but um, it, it does go both ways. Um, and I, I mean, the particular scenario that I have in mind was the gentleman said, you know, he could go into Israeli occupied areas and literally walk into like a cafe and they wouldn't serve him. And right. I mean, he's sitting there. He's a normal human being. He's got money. He's not expecting for a free meal. He's not. I mean, that's just how much the animosity is there. And, you know, we're not not talking about the soldiers and the weapons and all. They're just talking about average citizens. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's how much they can't stand each yeah, other. And that, and that experience when I was in the Holy Land, our guide, Mickey, when we went to Bethlehem to visit for a day, he left. The, he, they dropped him off uh, somewhere at a shopping mall or somewhere that he could do some business and this and that. And then we actually met a Palestinian guide in Bethlehem who took us on the tour. And I made note of that, you know, that we had to have a Palestinian guide here. And so when we were making some of our trips there, I saw a sign that had this big, you know, the unmistakable, you know, warning signs, you know, international warning signs, you know, this and that. And I said, Mickey, what does this sign say? And when he he said, he just looked at me and kind of smiled, you know, just a little talk here and I were having privately on the bus. And I said, what does this sign say? And he said, that sign, that sign says I'm not allowed in here as a Jew. And so that this conflict, wow, that's crazy. This ancient, ancient, ancient conflict is still very hot today. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's more intense than the Hatfields and the McCoys. You know, thousands I mean, this, of years later. It's thousands of years that yeah. that this has been brewing and stirring and and turning into what we still have today. What's crazy is just listening to you guys talk about it. This makes me think about it. How Antichrist is going to completely change that. Yeah, he'll offer a solution. In just one It'll solution. Be temporary. I don't yeah. know how he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Man, you're yeah. talking about like you got like said decades and decades and decades. Yeah. Centuries and centuries. At this point, yeah, I was going to say, it's just thousands of years. It's thousands of years. It's just mind-blowing. And it's insane. And, and brother, Kyle, you alluded to this. This all comes down to a consequence of them trying to do God's work and their timing. They try to do what God had planned, but in their own way. And that's the result of it because you remember Hagar went out and she was alone. And God said that he was still going to bless that seed, even though that wasn't the promised seed. Because that was, it wasn't necessarily her fault or Ishmael's fault. And I think that's one of the things, too, which a little carry from what we were saying last episode. But you you look in some churches today and people say, well, you know, methods don't matter. And because after all, my whole goal is just to reach more people. But if I dilute the holiness of God in order to attain that end, I'm not doing God's will, even though I call it that. It is not God's will. I agree. Mm Thank you for listening to Cherishing Scripture Podcast. Uh, this episode was a little longer, so we're actually going to cut it into two episodes. So look back next week. We'll finish off this talk on Galatians 4, 21 through 31, talking about the bond and the free woman.